trending news right now. It's 10 minutes before 4. Good morning. If you've just joined us here on SAFM. So we discuss what's happened in social media in terms of the last 24 hours. Atlihang Mulefe, our social commentator, joins us. Good morning, Atli. How are you today? Good morning, Asanda. I'm well, thanks. And how are you? <laughs> you nearly called me Ayanda then, eh? Ah, uh, no. Yeah, no. <laughs> Okay, it's uh, no, fine. Yeah, I, no, <laughs> I thought I we were friends, but it's fine. <laughs> I apologize for that. I really said, Ayanda. Um, no, it's, I'm just, I'm just yeah. pulling your leg, man. <laughs> All right, um, let's get straight into it. Uh, starting the first topic today we're discussing is the hashtag firearms control amendment bill. So this new bill uh, is uh, not uh, really accepted or it's not you know, welcomed a lot by the public. So the bill basically plans to remove gun ownership for the sake of self-defense. Um, yes, uh, everyone is totally, and it's even open for public comments, but a lot of people are totally against that bill because we do know that um, a lot of people who own guns as a form of self-defense is usually women um, because we really do live in a society or country where their lives are always at risk and they're always just trying to defend themselves. So when they do remove the gun ownership for self-defense, then it simply means that we are now taking away the agency of women because we're not allowing them to exercise at least that level of um, defense for themselves in case they are confronted with a very dangerous situation. And also, Mm -hmm. removing the ownership of guns for self-defense, it's more like we're always just not allowing people the opportunity to um, defend themselves when they're faced with such situations. Because we know that in a situation like that, um, if you are denied that form of self-defense to begin with, your life is already at risk and now you stand even a greater chance of actually dying without even protecting yourself if maybe you hear someone outside, especially as a woman, and you live alone and you're scared. So, um, hence, a lot of people are completely against it because ownership of guns for self-defense, it's it's literally just that. You're trying to defend yourself in case of um, a situation that that you can't control. The police minister has said uh, before that firearms are the biggest contributor to murder in South Africa. Do you think those firearms that are used for murder can be tracked to registration? Or these are, you know, those who can those firearms that can't be traced back necessarily. Um, I believe that those ones are the ones that cannot be traced back to um, registration because if we think about it, and if we also tr- just try to analyze the situation, usually when a person um, a person was self defending themselves from an, an incident like that they are able to trace it back to it being registered. And, um, but I do think that the ones that are used to kill people most of the time are not ones that can be traced back. And I also actually don't like the fact that every time when a situation like this arises, then he, he, he thinks that taking ownership of, of, of or removing the ownership of guns for self-defense is the best form of, of mechanism to like mitigate such things from happening. And it, it's really not the case. This is not what... Um, he was supposed to be doing or, or like pushing. So it seems that people would uh, access guns uh, either way, whether they are legal or not, because that's what we are seeing currently. So, uh, do you think this bill then will be much if, of much effect? 
Um, not even because, like you're saying now, they would still people would still go back to the black market and buy guns. And um, in a situation like that, where now they are buying illegal firearms, so we don't want a situation like that to happen. Because if you deny people access to something that they um, need or that they want, then they're always going to find means to get it. So even if you um, now um, establish a bill that takes away the agency of people from owning guns, then people will always try to find means to find it in a way that is illegal. And that's when we're going to um, see a lot of problems, more than the numbers that we have now. Okay, so uh, opposition parties who have been vocal are the DA, who are opposed to this proposal, and uh, the Freedom Front uh, Plus as well are opposed. uh, But we still have until the end of July for comments to be made. Uh, What do you think will be the end result? The end result would literally just be the public being against um, that um, the, the bill itself. Um, because like I've said before, um, a, a, lo- a lot of people who are always up for self-defense or owning guns because of self-defense, most of them, we can also just say that women do own them, just a way of protecting themselves. So I do think that in terms of public comments, we're definitely going to get a lot of people being against um, the bill itself. And because even the opposition parties now are not as happy about the establishment of, of that bill. So it, it's just definitely going to fail. I don't think they're going to uh, put the bill in place. Okay, let's talk hashtag tax revolt now. Afri Forum saying that government must take steps against corrupt officials or there's going to be a revolt from taxpayers. They're saying basically taxpayers have had enough and they just will stop paying taxes because of corruption. And this is in in light of, you know, we talked about this and and this has been, you know, triggering a lot of emotion in terms of that 150 million rand, uh, the irregular expenditure of that from the Department of Health. So Health Minister Dr. Zuelim Kize has confirmed the contract amounted to irregular and wasteful expenditure, but denied wrongdoing on this part. I'm not surprised that there would be a lot of emotional response to this because we are in the middle of a pandemic and the health department is at the center of making sure that those fears that we have as South Africans are allayed and hearing something of this irregular contract is uh, very much disturbing. Um, That is very true because also um, when we think about it, People feel that um, they are contributing to tax for um, the betterment of society. So every time when also government expenditure is, is they, they decrease government expenditure because they would blame things like corruption. And then the other, the, the, the response to that would be them increasing tax. So that's also more like it's unfair on the people who are largely contributing to the country um, when they see that the the budget or money isn't used effectively or like there's just not like a way of trying to regulate money and make sure that when it's spent to to, to maybe on the most important things in the country. So definitely people revolting or people being very emotional and unhappy about it is, is justified because you can only imagine that in the middle of a pandemic, um, where a person now still has to pay um, tax, like income tax or any form of tax, but then at the same time you just hear that you are uh, the government is misusing funds. So that really does create a lot of, um, I think, unhappiness in society because now it's more like people are actively trying to, uh, to make sure that they contribute to tax so that they can assist those 
who cannot uh, perhaps afford their own basic necessities, but then now you have a government that is taking away from the same individual. So you start thinking, what is the point of paying tax? Are we paying tax just so we can give government money for them to just do as they please, or are we actually paying tax to assist those who cannot um, afford to get basic necessities for themselves? If we look at, I mean, our history, not too far back, government already lost about 20 billion rand in tax revenue as a result of the alcohol ban from, from lockdown. But the, con- the corruption continued, even with that loss in, in tax revenue. Do you think then uh, the threat to, for taxpayers to stop paying tax will actually stop corruption? Um, I think not. Uh, I think the way, we, the way my conception of the system itself is to understand it from, um, you know, the root level. The fact that the issue of corruption, it's just a way in which people have inherited a system that they are now failing to navigate. So with failure to navigate that system, then the alternative to that is to try and um, gain other means of control, and that is through corruption, and that is through um, things like nepotism, speaking to someone so that you can remain in a position um, so those things do constitute this corruption because, I mean, people have inherited a system and now they're failing to control it. So even if taxpayers decide that they don't want to pay tax at all, I do believe that there are other means of actually uh, being able to incur those funds, being able to get those funds. And as soon as they've gotten those funds, then it means that we're also going to be in debt as a, in, in debt as a country. So the, definitely, the, I don't think uh, not paying tax would, would then... Um, result in the government not um, misusing any funds or being corrupt or anything. Uh, the, uh, in d- the Institute of Race Relations is predicting that South Africans who are, you know, in the country will mostly turn away from government and municipal services and they rely on their own uh, efforts and the efforts of their community members to make sure that the services they need are delivered. Because confidence in the government is diminishing, according to them. I mean, it, uh, they do a lot of research and all of that. But that would still not remove the issue of taxes, though, because you still get, uh, you know, charged for, for tax. Even if we take over those government services and, and banned as a community, we've seen even the private sector stepping in with companies, you know, launching initiatives to help with addressing some issues on infrastructure, potholes, robots not working and things like that. Um, that is true because also I, I, I don't see a world where we are like an anarchy where people rule for themselves where even though people are losing faith in um, the government, it, it still doesn't take away the, from the fact that we still want, like, uh, we don't want a lawless society. So by even when they're unhappy about something, they would rather try and fight and like maybe protest or do something or raise their concerns. But I don't think it would get to a point where now we are not even allowing uh, government or even the regional part of government to even try and institute that sort of uh, law law in South Africa. So it's just very unfortunate that in a situation like this, um, it's not to say that we should allow things to remain the way they are. I do think that we should definitely try and push for government to try and maybe increase their own spending so that they wouldn't have to force people to pay a huge sum of tax. Um, and also, I do believe that even with different companies, corporates, um, they're always forced to pay like a huge sum of money for tax. Um, and it, it, it really is, is not nice for the fact that people do pay tax. 
and they pay like a huge amount of money because government is demanding that money. But at the same time, that money is not used um, for like you know the services that they're supposed to be providing for the people. But instead, we have a very corrupt government that is also failing to live up to its own obligations. Okay, let's move to a U.S. or international story rather, and then we'll come and close with another South African story. But now talking, hashtag Blinken, the United States Secretary of State, uh, Anthony Blinken, who's uh, in Jordan uh, on the last leg of a regional tour to bolster a ceasefire reached last week between Israel and uh, Hamas. Also meeting with uh, Egyptian, uh, Palestinian and Israeli leaders. He's looking at meeting everybody basically just to make sure that this ceasefire continues. Um, I think the unfortunate part about it is that even when you follow the story, um, you hear a lot of uh, Palestinians saying that a ceasefire would not necessarily resolve anything um, because all they want is for them to have the power to govern themselves because if a ceasefire happens now, um, there isn't any sort of surety that uh, uh, Israel is not going to start again. So it's more like now that's not what they want because they believe that um, they've been fighting for it. It's not, a ceasefire is not what they, they're basically fighting for. But I also do think that it's part of all the steps towards ensuring that we're able to um, maybe find a resolve or end what is currently happening because it's definitely um, not a really um, nice situation when uh, women, when people are losing their lives in the country then that's, that calls for um, a, a major concern. But I also do think that it took them a long time to also even try and, and, and get the ceasefire and for also um, United Nations to intervene in that situation. And they usually do intervene when a lot of people have lost their lives and when the situation is dire. But I do hope that um, um, the ceasefire is able to allow for the Palestinians to also just to get some sort of recourse that they want and that they also get to live freely and they also just try to also get back in, in their feet as opposed to always being scared that something bad will happen to them or that they'll face another attack from Israel. So the top U.S. diplomat also pledging millions in aid uh, in rebuilding uh, Gaza, but also saying that the U.S. would make sure that these funds do not benefit Hamas. How important was it that he stresses this point? Um, I think it was very important because, especially when we understand the ties between the U.S. and, um, and Israel, because they have a very strong um, ties there in terms of like diplomatic ties. So I think that the fact that they are now taking an initiative and actually trying to assist the situation, it, it says a lot because um, no one would even anticipate this to be happening, but um, it is happening now. So I do hope that even the pledge to give out funds would also roll out effectively and that um, they would really do try to help and assist in like institution building, especially because after such um, a big war that has been happening for the longest time, um, it is very important then for them to also be able to establish um, that those institutions that will help uh, with um, bringing, like trying to revive the state itself um, from the situation that it is in uh, at the moment. Interesting also hearing from uh, Yaya Sinwa, the Hamas leader in Gaza, uh, first of all, they've welcomed the efforts to rebuild. 
And then they went to go and say that, well, we've got satisfactory sources of money for Hamas. Uh, and saying a major part of it is from Iran and part in donations from uh, Arab Muslims and liberals of the world who are sympathetic to their people and their rights. Is this not in some way pulling the tongue out at uh, the top U.S. diplomat and saying it's fine if we don't benefit from the billions? We've got our money anyway. Definitely that, because um, like I've said before, they know that even as a country, they don't have that much. They know that the U.S.A. will always stand with like Israel. So I think that also, I'm also happy for the fact that a country like Iran that knows the struggle because um, things are never nice, it's always bombed all the time, they do sympathize and they do understand um, the situation that is happening there and the fact that they were able to offer that sort of assistance and it also just allows for Palestinians to also say no to funding from the, the, the US government because they know that they have very strong ties with Israel so you don't know what comes after that because we also need to understand that in terms of that financial assistance comes at a cost they probably just have to maybe pay them back through other means at some point and who knows if maybe israel is also behind this so i think this is why they are now trying to uh, pull out a bit because they don't want to find themselves in a compromised situation well, enough lives have been lost, so let's just hope that that ceasefire continues and it becomes the one and final one because there have been lots of ceasefires before in this ongoing conflict. Uh, 254 Palestinians killed, 12 Israelis killed, 66 children in that number of 254. So we need peace in, in this area. Let's come back to South Africa. Hashtag Dalimpo for now. Uh, representing Jacob Zuma in the arms deal trials. This is an interesting one because uh, he's chairperson of the Economic Freedom Fighters and uh, he had been one of Zuma's most fiercest critics, uh, but now he's uh, defending him. But, okay, let's talk about that part first and then the rest of other people he's defended that he wasn't necessarily in agreement with or the EFF wasn't in agreement with. What do you make of this? Um, so he specifically asked for him and um, he, I mean, he had to provide this, the, 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 the services. So I do think that it, it's really quite um, strategic. Um, if I try to tap into what Zuma, uh, the former president, Jacob Zuma, was, is thinking at this time, you can just see that it's, it's just a matter of making sure that he is able to protect himself because even when he was plead, he pleaded um, not guilty for those charges themselves, now it, it becomes really weird for someone like um, advocate Dalimbofu to have to defend that. Um, so I do think that it's more so more very strategic and um, there must be something just around it that's just really not um, that makes me really uncomfortable uh, because if when he um, asked for him it was more like his response was also just like the client is asking to be represented by me and therefore I have to do it. So I think that um, it's it's just going to be very um, interesting to see how this is going to unfold. And although, I mean, Dalimpofu no longer is chairperson, he does still remain in the party, the EFF. And he's extended his legal services to other people before that he's had some differences with politically. Do you think this is a case of that famous saying, keep your friends close and your enemies closer? closer. (laughs) That could be true, because also, I mean, if you're in that space, it's not just about who you like and who you don't like. If you have to represent someone 
um, even if you don't like them, then you just have to do that what the job requires of you to do. They just have to extend um, that um, assistance. I think that's basically what he's doing at the moment.